If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome to Newborn Mothers Podcast. Today I have one of my very favourite guests of all time. It is my husband, Dylan Smith. (laughs) Thank you, Julia. Thank you very much. It's lovely to finally be here. It is nice to have you on the show. We've been trying to do this for a while. Um, So today the topic that I wanted to talk about is some tips from man to man. So we were kind of talking about how when I was pregnant, people used to stop me on the street, you know, friends, family and random strangers with all sorts of advice and suggestions um, on all, all aspects of pregnancy, birth and baby care. Um, but Dylan, as a man, did you have a similar experience? Not really. No, I, I uh, don't remember much uh, hassle like you talk about or people been, you know, uh, bailing you up and, telling you what to do or what not to do. And I think it's, um, it's probably common of, of most guys that um, the focus is on the birth and the focus is on, on the baby and, and the mother perhaps. But, um, but no, I don't remember any conversations, any heart to hearts, any sit downs with, with any, um, uh, any of my, my male friends about, about what was to come. If anything, I remember one kind of confusing comment um, which I wasn't quite sure what it sort of meant at the time, um, where one uh, friend was talking to another friend and made the comment of something like, oh, it's, you know, it's good to get the, get the girls back into work, um, something like that. So I can't remember whether, uh, or I don't know whether that was a reference to needing more financial contribution into the household or whether it was going to be good for their, their mental health. Uh, it was sort of a, sort of a throwaway line um, that confused me at the time and still confuses me now. So, no, can't say I was inundated with any kind of advice or encouragement. And so, so having the discussion that you often read as well, like letters from mums, you know, what I wish I knew before I was pregnant and, you know, like here's what I've learned from motherhood. So recently we had um, friends who had a baby and, and this has happened a lot, but particularly for this, this friend, you did just write down a few ideas for them, a few suggestions of things that you've learned. You know, we've been parents for over eight years now. We have three children, you know, so you did do a little bit of that. Here's what I wish I knew. And, um, and I thought it would actually be really great to share with everyone because I'm sure there's a lot of um, partners, men, fathers out there who, um, you know, they're just about to have a baby or maybe just had a baby and they're thinking, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and why didn't anyone tell me that it was going to be like this? So we had sort of three areas, didn't we? Three suggestions. And the first one was about um, getting services and not things and stuff. So do you want to talk about that one, Dylan? Yeah, sure. So uh, I guess I can see the uh, decisions that we made together um, change over time, over the three uh, over our three kids but certainly yeah to answer that question what would what do I know now that I didn't know right at the beginning um, it, it, what the first one is is and the mo- main one really 
is just around preferencing services. So like many people, I was really reluctant. I'd never come from a family that paid for cleaning or clean the car or anything like that. So it was just a sort of do it yourself and roll up your sleeve sort of um, mentality. So I was really reluctant to do that and um, probably saw it as a weakness really. But over those you know, the experience of the three kids and certainly by the third, then it was just a really, a really clear decision to preference um, help around the house, uh, cooking, food, um, anything that, that made our, our, our life around the home just that bit easier, particularly around the time of the birth and the immediate sort of month afterwards. Um, but I think that's carried on. So, yeah, really clear that the value to the house is uh is huge if you can just relieve some of that stress uh some of the the direct um workload um but also the headspace um that that sort of often comes with that or is even worse sometimes um so yeah we paid for a private midwife um which was great because then julia you didn't have to drive to to go to any appointments so uh she came and visited our home we paid for for meals to be delivered. We also got um, a whole lot of bunch of help from friends and family. So it wasn't like we paid for everything, but we just made sure that the basics were covered. And that was a bit of an insurance policy, really. Uh, we paid for extra cleaning. And because by our third, we had you know a couple of other ones as well running around the house, then we paid for extra childcare. Um, so that, again, just got that real bulk of some basics covered off and done. Um, and looked after so that we could then have the the physical time but also the mental time um, with our new baby and with each other. Yes, and coincidentally we bumped into a couple of friends of ours at a party last week and they are at a similar point in their um you know, parenting years where they've had their three kids, they're not having any more. And the dad said to us, Oh my gosh what a waste of time and money um, is a pram. He said, we spent hours, weeks, months researching the best pram. You know, we spent thousands of dollars and no matter what pram you buy, you're going to end up hating it and you cannot wait to get rid of your pram. Um, so, you know, that's just a great example. I think that when you're pregnant, you tend to think that what you need is things and stuff. You buy equipment. Um, and we certainly did that and they did that. And, you know, that's just very common in our consumerist culture that you you buy things, isn't it? But but in the yeah. end, what really made the biggest difference to us was was having more help. Yeah, and, and even that you know the larger, bigger efforts like extensions and painting rooms and getting the big furniture and, and that sort of thing. So um, you know we talk about prams and car seats and and clothes and all the rest of it, but actually um, yeah, there's also the, the larger items which often you you don't sort of bat an eyelid to to do a um, yeah to upgrade out, your car upgrade your car or up, yeah upgrade your car upgrade your house or even just a room renovation. I mean, there's a tens of thousands of dollars decision. So um, uh, I, I guess over the journey, um, you know, you might still want to do that. People might still want to do that, but within that space, allow for some budget, some time, some effort, some resources into, into services um, to, just to balance it up or better still just go for as much service as you can. That's, that's been our lesson, hasn't it? 
Yes, definitely. And we did invest heavily in postpartum, particularly by our third, because we did have um, a little bit more money available with our first and the second. We didn't have much money. We relied a lot more on friends and family. But also, I think we thought that that would be enough. And I think the more children we had, the more we realized that we just needed more and more help. And you could never really have too much help. And with our third postpartum, I've written a blog post about spending um, $10,000, which may sound like a lot. But when you look at it in the context of a major life event and compare it to weddings where people spend on average $30,000, um, you realize that actually, uh, you know, compared to a wedding, compared to a re renovating your house, compared to buying a new car, that $10,000 is actually not that large an investment. And um, you know, some people will spend $3,000 on a, on a pram or a cot, you know, without batting an eyelid. But we do seem to have a lot of blocks in our culture around asking for help. And, and we want to look really independent and in control and like we're coping. And somehow it's seen that if you, you know, if you need a cleaner or you, you want someone to come and give you a massage or bring you a meal or a postpartum doula, then that's, you know, can feel sometimes like you have to overcome some mindset stuff around that. And that's certainly been our journey, hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, and what it does is it just provides that, that buffer really. Uh, and even in the best, uh, best scenario, um, you know, the, 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 there's going to be uh, some, um, some difficulties or some times when you have to get up late, either, either parent and it's going to be hard. So you, it, you know, definitely at some point it's going to be hard, even in the best case. So um, not about being a doomsday, a, a doomsdayer and saying it's going to be horrible. Then you need to bring in all these services, but regardless of what happens, it's a buffer. It's that sort of insurance policy just to smooth out the rough edges so that, you know, I guess when, when I came home at work at five o'clock, um, that, uh, that there was some help in that journey for, for Julia at home. And so that, you know, it wasn't all, all hell hadn't broken loose at five o'clock and I was, and everyone was stressed and, and um, under pressure. So regardless of, of what happens, regardless of the birth outcomes and, and, and everything, then it's just that real um, safety net that your family um, can have um, in that time, which is really special. So it was worth every cent from my point of view. Yes. And I think just to, to, you know, like, of course, we did have help from family and friends as well a lot. But we did also find that, that, you know, putting some money aside for paying for help was really useful to have people who weren't emotionally involved in the situation because a lot of the time, um, you know, there's a lot of baggage that comes along sometimes with having, you know, certain family members helping with certain things. And, uh, and also if you have had any sort of difficulties, if the birth didn't quite go to plan or if the baby's born early, um, any other emotional stuff that's going along that, then the people who are close to you in your life will be feeling that emotion too. So it can really help to have someone just come in from outside who's cool, calm and collected, not bringing their own baggage, not affected by the same emotional journey as you're on, um, to just be able to really reset everyone and bring everyone back to a more calm, grounded, even keel. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of benefits in paying for help. And I certainly, um, yeah, we certainly did more and more of that with every baby, didn't we? I don't think we spent anything on help the first time we thought that family was enough and you know and, and it you know it was great it was certainly awesome but I definitely think the more help the merrier absolutely yeah 
And so the second tip you had was really about the transition, not just immediately, but unfolding over the first year or two after the baby's born. And, and specifically in our case, that was related to returning to work. So can you talk about that a little bit too? Yeah, I guess this speaks to the idea that, that again, there's this big focus on the birth and, um, uh, and on that immediate time afterwards. And, and as, you know, as, as a partner, I had a certain time off. Um, and and there wasn't really much thought about what the next 12 months would look like or 24 months. So again, over, over uh, three kids, uh, I've sort of um, come to understand that, and, and with your influence, Julia, through your work, that it's, uh, there's a lot of things happening over that first 12 months. Uh, and, and one thing to be aware of, and this is what I said you know, to my friend in terms of this email that I sent through, the second point was that just be aware that, um, that it's good to have a dialogue with your partner and check in with them around when they might like to return to work, um, whatever that might be, um, or and just be aware that, um, that for us as, as the guys or the, or the partner, it's very easy just to sort of... Um, get through that initial birth stage and then go back to work. Um, and then sure things change, but there's no real life changes. There's no real, um, uh, career change, uh, that needs to be, um, made because of the baby, you know, maybe going to, to work a little bit less or coming home a bit earlier, etc. but it doesn't really affect your, your career trajectory in many ways, but it has a huge impact on, on the mums. Um, and that's probably something that I just wasn't aware of. To be honest, I thought we're entering this baby stage, this family stage, and you know that 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 Julia, that you'd you'd be happy to and be really thriving in this, and just sort of. And this wasn't even really a conscious idea, but I just perhaps thought that uh, that's it, Julia. Just want to be with the kids, um, and it wasn't something that I ever talked to you about, Julia, or that we we talked about together. Um, so it came as a shock at nine months after our first baby when you turned around, Julian, just said, I need to get back to work more. You know, I need to get to any, back to work at full stop. So, um, you know, just one day a week would be great. So I, I wasn't predicting that. I didn't think of that about that. And, and then that was something that we tried to have a conversation about afterwards. And certainly by the third, then it was, it was something that we were really tuned into to know just when it was right for you to go back to work um hey there i'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that if you are really enjoying this episode then you'll really enjoy newborn mothers collective too the collective is online postpartum training and professional development with over a thousand students from 40 different countries around the world wherever you are in your postpartum career taking your first step or with decades of experience. If you feel a deep calling to work with new families during this life-changing transformation, Newborn Mothers Collective is for you. Learn more over at newbornmothers.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Does that yeah. sound about right, Julie? Is that how you sort of remembered it? That the first few times it was, it was more of a confronting discussion because it meant that I would have to change my, uh, my work patterns um to accommodate your extra work but then by the third we sort of understood that and we're just on to that discussion 
Yeah, I think so. I think um, for us and probably a lot of people of our generation, both of our mothers stayed home for many years after having children. And so I think you would, you particularly had this kind of vision of me just being, you know, a happy, rosy-cheeked wifey at home, you know, mm. and that that's what I would love doing. And I didn't particularly think about it, to be honest. I I wasn't, I didn't really think about it at all, what I would like or what I wouldn't like. But it was only after I became a mother that I realized how important my career was to me and how much I love my work and it gives meaning to my life and it makes me a better person and therefore a better mom. And, um, and it, I was a little slow on the uptake the first time because we didn't really have an ongoing open conversation. So I guess if anyone's listening at home, whether you're still pregnant or your baby's a few months old or years down the track, you know, but it's really a good idea to check in and say, you know, what were your expectations and what is it really like because it's often not like how you think it's going to be so you might be the opposite for people listening you might feel like i'm going to want to get straight back to work and then you have that baby and you go oh my gosh this is the most amazing time i don't want to miss a moment and that wasn't my experience but the point is you never really know until you're in that so i think having that conversation open and being open to that because i agree dylan when i did say to you that's it i'm done i i need to work and you were quite shocked and for me, in order for me to work, you actually went from working full time to working four days a week, which was a really awesome decision, I think, for our family. You became a much more engaged father and, um, you know, picked up a much bigger load of the domestic work, which we're actually going to talk about later on as well. Um, and I felt really much more satisfied with my career. I felt like things were much more equal and um, and we were really working in a partnership, you know, which was really important to me and definitely the first time that was a bit of a shock and the second and third time I've returned to work sooner and sooner because I've known that that's what works for me and for our family and um yeah so but the first time around you don't know that and it is a slow transition and you have to keep checking in with each other I think yeah I think that's it and you know I remember back to that time and I was on about three or four different committees I'm very social and like to be part of things and part of community effort and, and uh, I remember you were playing football as well, I think. Football, yeah, which is it, it's just all you know, like a, a, a normal, um, a normal lifestyle when there's the two of you, and it's not like you have to give up everything. But it just took me a few years, sort of delayed reaction, to realise actually the lifestyle I've got um, is not sustainable because um, I'm either got a lifestyle of a um, sort of a bachelor or a lifestyle of a retiree where I've got many meetings, you know, two or three meetings in a week on in after hours because it's all voluntary and it's all good stuff. But it just meant that, um, that, that I wasn't as home as, as much as I, uh, you know, perhaps could have been ideally for that balance. So again, everyone's different, all circumstances are different. But for me, it was about having a, a broader view of, what it's look, going to look like over 12 months, um, not just over the first month. Uh, and that was a key, key discussion for us to, to learn to, to have that, the idea of the work-life balance for both people. Which leads us very nicely into your third tip, which is about sharing the um, emotional and physical load. And this has definitely been a big part of our journey. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of you listening at home have been reading, hearing, talking about the mother load. Um, so tell me, Dylan, how's that felt for you? Uh, the mother, my mother load? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 
it, it is, it's probably come, come in more discussion lately, to be honest, but, you know, sort of seven or eight years ago, it wasn't um, perhaps that, uh, that apparent in discussions. But I guess this is just about having that, that shared and emotional, uh, shared emotional and physical load. And that um, uh, it's hard. This is probably the hardest to talk about to another guy because it, it feels quite effeminate to sort of be talking about taking on emotional loads and sharing the, the efforts 50, 50 and things like that. Um, but I, I guess a couple of times I've, I've um, taken on my, feminist role and and talk to to other guys about this and i think it's something that you need to keep on top of because even with great intentions as i do and we do it can easily slip so the classic one for us is uh is cooking julia you love cooking um and so weeks can go by really without me contributing much um to 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 cooking but what that happens is what happens then is uh, you need to know what's in the in the house to be able to cook. So whole that's an example of how whole patches of sort of home life get taken over, um, usually by by the the mother, by the woman who's who's at home, right? More because they've they've had the baby, so it's easy to slip into this habit, even with good intentions of of things just moving towards the the woman um, or, or the stay at home partner. Um, to you know to take care of household stuff just cleaning cooking shopping laundry etc so even though yes, I and whilst i love cooking i don't yeah. particularly love shopping so yeah. you know that's been quite good we've kind of found some balance there because although i i love cooking and i still do most of the cooking we have probably handed a lot of the shopping back over to to you now to make sure that there's a little bit more balance there yeah and then there's things like what we've done lately is is just for me to pick up on anything medical where I can, but so I'm the go-to for any medical appointments for the kids, which just, you know, racks up by the time you've got three kids and you've got, you know, immunization shots and doctor's appointments and specialists and all the rest of it. Um, again, it's very easy just to say, well, you know, Julia's working from home, so it's easy for you to do it. Um, but I, I found it important. We've found it important to really, uh, be conscientious about that and and truly try and work towards that 50-50 in the house, but also those those um, those other efforts. Uh, booking holidays, you're still the go-to for booking holidays. Oh, that's because I love holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I get excited about holidays and probably because it kind of depends a bit on my income, what kind of holiday we can have. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think and look, holidays is not such a, a bad one, um, but I, I I guess all jokes aside, what what I see with us and with others is that when there is that imbalance, then it's very easy for resentment to kick in, um, and yes. and troubles to to happen because you know it's not really about that one thing that you blow up about. It's just the fact that you you, you know for all week you've been working out um, what needs to be cooked and how to buy the the food and what medical appointments they need to be kids need to get to and whose birthday party they're going to and what present they need and, and all of that, which is that classic sort of emotional load. Um, it just, it adds up. And, and so it's a real danger in uh, for couples for, for it to lead to resentment and, and for fighting. 
Yes, and I think you made a really good point early on when you were saying that it doesn't seem like a big thing early on. So eight years ago when our first daughter was born, we probably wouldn't have even really noticed these tiny cracks starting to appear because it's a little bit like a fork in the road and at first that is that gap is only very narrow. So, of course, because I was the one who was breastfeeding and I had to go to my own you know, six-week checkup, then I would take my baby to see the lactation consultant, to get her vaccinations done, to see the child health nurse, you know, so all of those appointments. But then once you realise you've had three kids and eight years later and you're still doing all of that stuff and I'm like, hang on, there's no need for me to be the one who does all of this, mm. um, you know, and that gap just gets bigger and bigger and bigger unless you really actively discuss as, as a couple, and this has definitely been probably one of our biggest sources of arguments over the years of being a family, um, you know, and it hasn't always been easy to approach it. And, I, and I've talked to many women who say, no, I can't talk about with that with my husband because I don't want to end up with a divorce. And I think that's really incredibly sad. So um, I think really a huge contributor to how happily married we are, and we've been married for 10 years now, um, is because we have had these hard conversations, you know, all, all through to make sure that we're both getting what we need out of life and that we're both contributing equally to our family. Um, so that's been really important to us, I think. It has, yeah. And, and probably with the, the, in terms of those three areas, so preference for services over items, return to work and shared, you know, return to work or life balance. And then the third one, which is, we've just talked about, about sharing the load. It's probably, um, it's the hardest to get right or the hardest to, 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 to um, keep tweaking because, um, you know, I, I like doing physical exercise. So it's about squeezing that in where I can, but not doing too much, not doing too little. So it's just, again, it's that ongoing conversation that, that changes every time you have a child or every time that there's a, a change in your circumstances. Um, so that's probably the trickiest out of all three um, and the one that ha takes the most sort of juggling. But, um, but yeah, it's really about having a bit of a helicopter view and seeing what are the needs of everyone and um, what are my needs, what's everyone else's needs and, and how do we make that happen? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, so tell me, Dylan, if men are sitting at home thinking, oh, my God, why would I bother taking on the emotional load? That just sounds like you know, way too hard work. <laughs> but what is the return on investment, you know, because this isn't really just for mothers, the benefits of, I feel are for the whole family. So, you know, in terms of investing time and money and getting help and making sure that you share um, the emotional load that, that women can return to work overall and, you know, over time, what does that actually mean for, for you and for our kids and for everyone? I think it, it, it's a special time. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned earlier, Julie, about a wedding and, you know, what sort of financial outlay you, most people put in for that. Um, so if you look at it at that point of view, but just look at it as a significant life event, um, then, you know, it's a special time. So you want to be able to enjoy that and not in some, um, you know, rosy coloured glasses way, but just have an understanding that this is a special time that, you, you want to do whatever you can uh, to make the most of it and to enjoy that time. Um, and certainly with our third, we, you know, we knew more or less, obviously mistakes can happen, but we knew that this was our, our going, going to be our last child, but that was the plan. So for me, there was a real thought of 
all right, let's let's try and do this as well as we can. Um, enjoy it as a whole family and relieve some of the pressures. And some of the pressures are physical, cleaning the house, cooking, childcare. They're, they're just physical pressures that are there. So an investment in, in those areas is, is just about creating a really as better environment as you can for your family. So it's an investment for, for the family and therefore it's investment in the marriage, you know, for our relationship. Um, also it's an investment for, for your working lives it's because, um, you know, by the third with all that help and, and support from family and friends as well, I, I felt much more comfortable going and, and doing a, a day's work and coming back and it, uh, walking through the door and you know it wasn't all hell broke uh, it wasn't the hell had broken loose and there was stress everywhere and anxiety and and um and and you know and a sort of a disrupted house there was uh, a buffering that I talked about or it's that little insurance policy that just smooths it all out so I felt better to go back to work and probably Julia you did too given that we'd looked after ourselves in that environment as best we could in that time and then, um, you know, when you felt like it, you could step back into work. Um, and, and, and I guess within that as well, the, the you know, the, the time we had uh, when Clancy came along, there was a couple of other kids running around that, we, that we'd had previously. So they need looking after too. And that's, we know that's an important time um, when siblings come along that the other kids need to get a bit of love and a bit of attention and, uh, a bit of focus on them as well. So, again, it's just about relieving the situation of some real pressure points um, and instead focusing that energy and effort towards the things that, that really matter. Yeah, that's right. And I think just simple things like having someone to drop over dinner means that, you know, if you've been at work all day and, and I've been feeding a baby all day and there's, you know, two toddlers running around, but then you could get home and sit down and read the toddlers a book and look after the older kids and, um, you know, really give the baby a cuddle if I need to have a shower. You know, all of these different things meant that, that, that the, the investment in what seems like something trivial like cleaning actually has huge, a huge emotional impact and, and definitely helped out all of our relationships and our mental um, health too and I'd say as well I think you mentioned it earlier but it definitely helped me to return to work feeling calm and confident because I knew that when I stopped working and I had time with the kids I could really spend that time with my kids because I wasn't like hold on a second I'm just you know doing 10 billion years of laundry so I can never hang out with you because I knew that you know when I was working then someone else was going to be helping with some of that other stuff and it meant when I wasn't working I could really devote that time to my children so I didn't have um you know some of that working mum guilt that I think a lot of other people experience so yes we're a huge van in investing in in services and um getting a lot of help and sharing that emotional load and it's definitely been hugely beneficial for our family yeah, and part of my mindset, I guess, is is it's a, a pretty traditional male mindset of wanting to best and wanting to look after everyone, and that, you know that's um, it's it's nothing different than that than than um, or it's very typical. But the way that we found uh, to go about that was to uh, to bring in some extra help and not be afraid to do that. Um, and that might, you know, that it sounds like we've 
got all these hordes of people coming into the house, but whatever you can um, to allocate to that area is is what I'd encourage people to, to consider. So it's not about having a huge, huge big effort. Um, it's just about starting somewhere and having some of those physical tasks looked after. Yes, and I was just going to say, you can start anywhere because, as I said, with our first, we only had help from family. With our second, we had friends as well as family. And I think we started getting a cleaner maybe once a fortnight at around that time. And by our third, we'd really learned our lesson and we had a lot more um, different kinds of, of help as well, which, um, yeah. And I guess that's what we'd say to ourselves, isn't it? If we could go, you know, back in time, travel back to nine years ago when I was pregnant with our first, that's probably the message we would give ourselves is like, you can just never have too much help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that it, and, and, it's sort of flipping out the idea of it's the, the, you know, this is the best time in your life. This is a special time, etc. Um, and and then, actually, it, it's it's really hard at times. So, um, it's just about flipping that a little bit and saying, yes, it is. It, it's meant to be, or it, it is going to be a wonderful time. And and therefore, um, you know, let's do what we can to uh, to make that happen. Yeah, to make it a wonderful time, that's right, to, to smooth that transition, to support that journey. Mm. Um, so have you got anything else to add, Dylan, or is that, does that about cover it? I think that covers it for me. Um, no, I, just on reflection, again, it's just something that it's not uh, talked about. I certainly didn't have any, any of these sorts of conversations beforehand. So where appropriate, I try and just squeeze it into an email or a conversation or where I feel like it's going to be received well with, with guys I know. So um, if the, at the very least, just be aware of these, these areas. Uh, the, the, our decisions and the content of what we've talked about may not be relevant, but just be aware of these areas that, um, that to, to, just to have a, have a thought that, uh, yeah, important time for birth, important time for the first month or a few weeks when you've both got time off work and things like that. But, the real work happens over the, the first 12 months, first 24 months when you settle in as a family. Yeah, I love it. Seeing it as a much longer, um, a longer postpartum journey to, to being a family. Uh, and if any men are listening at home and have any other suggestions, um, particularly, you know, experienced fathers, what would you go back and tell yourself? We'd love to hear from you too. So leave us a comment. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Dylan. Thanks, Julia. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, and we'll catch you all on the podcast next week. Bye. See ya. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high-quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.